This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. On today's podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Gino Barbaro, who is one half of Jake and Gino. And you guys can check out their podcast at the Wheelbarrow Profits podcast. Definitely a great podcast to listen to if you're looking to be a more of an operator and multifamily couple guys who are great guys you know growing their network and growing things organically and doing things the right way hopefully you guys enjoy their insights also help me out and you know let's work together to redirect money from wall street casinos and corrupt financial institutions to help you guys the middle class savers find safer more profitable investments in good hard tangible assets if you guys want access to deal flow hit me up at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash club to sign up for the Huey Deal Pipeline Club. And for everybody who signs up for the club, I'll get you guys on the phone and we'll have a quick 15-minute introduction call where you guys have the ability to ask whatever questions you guys want of me. And let's get to know each other. You know, Let's build a relationship because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I wanted to say thank you to all the Simple Passive Cashflow listeners. The content has been all over the place from turnkey rentals to turkey rentals and now to syndications and private placements. The feedback from some of you is that it has been a bit of a roller coaster or Korean drama to follow the website's content. To memorialize the past and clean up things, I have created a free web course to get you up to speed by signing up at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash start or text the word SIMPLE to 314-665-1767. Again, join the free web course, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash start, or text the word SIMPLE to 314-665-1767. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the website, sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. Today, I have Gino Barbaro on the line. How's it going, Gino? I'm doing good, Lane. How are you? Good. So Gino is a father of six, and he used to be a restaurant owner. Well, maybe we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. He is currently a partner at jakeandgino.com, who do commercial real estate. They uh, own a portfolio of 848 units, valued at $50 million and above. And I'm betting that's uh, probably an old figure, huh? No, that's actually, actually, that's actually accurate. Yeah, and what's going on? We're trying to close with 67 units this month, so let's hope that number goes up a little bit. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. And the first question we usually ask here is, how much simple passive cash flow are you making today, and how are you doing it? Well, it's a good question. I mean, the last two properties we just added to the portfolio haven't started cash flowing because we just bought them in December. Um, so December 2017, I hit, I think, around 30000 a month for passive cash flow. That, that was from the owner draws from my property. I have a restaurant that's giving me income. I have a four family up in New York. Um, and I don't know if I'd consider the Jake and Gino revenue as passive because it's, it's active, but I do have products that I'm selling out there. So let's say between 25 and 30 grand last month that I hit. I'm hoping by the end of this year, that number will be 35000 a month. It's taken me five years since I started investing in real estate to get to that number. And the funny thing, Lane, it happens so quick. It takes so long. The first three or four years, you're fumbling around. You've got $1,000 a month. Then it's 1500 Then it's 2000 Then it's 4000 
Then you refinance a property. Wow, you got that money, you put it into another property, it grows, and it's really, really true what happens. You start focusing it, and then all of a sudden, it just starts ballooning and mushrooming. You're like, I can't believe it happened. And looking back at it, it's been a tough five years, but it's been, it's been really worth it. Cool, yeah. And I want to kind of dig back, um, you know, before the restaurant days, was that kind of the first uh, gig out of high school then? Well, you know, I graduated in 92, so I'm dating myself. So I got out in 92, and it was a pretty crappy economy. So I went to work for AIG in, in New York City for a year when they were a real company. And I was doing reinsurance accounting, and I, I freaking hated it. It was boring. I tell people, it's like watching paint dry. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was painful. I had to commute to the city. So I ended up saying to my dad, let's just open a restaurant. So I opened the restaurant with him. Uh, I was 23 years old and um, it was great. I mean, we made a lot of money. We did really well until, you know, fast forward to the 2008 recession. So I've been, I've been doing it for over 20 years. And once 2008 hit, everything just shifted. Um, you know, small businesses took a big hit, tons of competition. And I just said to myself, I'm working harder. Don't feel fulfilled. Doesn't feel like I'm contributing. My dad had just passed away. I, I want to look for something else. And that's how I, started focusing on real estate. Yeah. So did you, um, that restaurant business, did you kind of run it hand in hand with him? Was he like, you know, did he have any experience at, you know, going in? Was he kind of like a mentor or did you guys both? Well, yeah. Around? Well, I mean, he was an immigrant. So, um, I opened the restaurant. My brother was a partner, my mom. So it was one small little place. Um, very, we we're very, we we're a very busy place, but the problem was, uh, I worked in the kitchen. The problem was, there were no systems in place. It was a mom, true, what I, I, what I buy in real estate, it was a mom and pop shop. You had to be there. You had to do it. You couldn't delegate responsibility. And I grew up with that mantra and it was really difficult. And I tried to do stuff differently and he sort of pulled me back. I'm like, dad, maybe we can hire somebody else. And it was difficult. And I thought I was very experienced. I was very talented at what I did. I just didn't know how to grow a business. I did not know how to implement systems. And I think it's pretty ironic that with the real estate, I've got almost 900 units. I was able to scale a business that I just started five years ago to such a large scale. Whereas I was in another restaurant business for 20 years and I only had one location. So it was really being stuck in that location. And my father was great. He's a great mentor, a great teacher. But when it came to building businesses and systems, that just wasn't his forte. Have you read the book, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber? Oh, yes. I've read E-Myth. I actually had Cameron Harold on our show also, which is he's an amazing entrepreneur as far as scaling. Took a lot of ideas from him. So, I mean, E-Myth is a must read for anybody. I was, I was the classic technician for sure. <laughs> I knew what I was doing, but I mean, I didn't want to step outside the box. So part of the blame was me also. I can't just blame my father because it was part of me. I could have gone out, stepped out. I could have gone and opened another place by myself. So maybe it was, uh, you know, a lot of the blame had to do with me. But at the same time, I just wasn't reading those books 10, 15 years ago. I should have been. Right, right. And for you, you guys don't know, um, in that book, he describes three types of characters in any business. And you need all three, not to say that anyone is more valuable than the other, but there's the visionary, which is the entrepreneur, the person who kind of guides the ship. You need the second is the manager. And Gino kind of said he's, he was the technician, the guy actually getting the stuff done. So you're the right. baker baking the bread, and, but you couldn't, you weren't, didn't have the manager or the visionary in that business. That's right. It's funny that you say that. I, I, I wrote an article a couple months ago, and I think you need three people in the business. I broke it down even more. You need a connector. You need somebody who's massively networking. You need an executor, somebody who's like the integrator, who's going to get the job done. No ifs, ands, or buts. And you need the backbone. 
You need the person who's actually going to take care of the business, run the financials, run the back end of the operation. If you can have all three of those running in a business, you're going to do fantastic. We didn't have the connector in my dad's place in, in, in the restaurant. We didn't have somebody going out there trying to network, trying to get other locations. So guys, you can't do all three. Try to pick one or two that you're really good at. Focus on those and either hire out or partner up with somebody who does have that skill set. Right, right. I, I've always heard of the term uh, finder binders and grinders, you know, in a law firm mm-hmm. or you know, even like a lot, I see a lot of these in- small engineering firms, you get the guys doing all the calculations, doing all the designs. Those are obviously the, uh, the grinders, the guys in the middle of the binders can sort of do both. They're kind of, mm-hmm. they're kind of like NBA swingmen, but the finders, they don't do anything. I mean, in fact, they try, the, the grinders try and keep them out of the, the engineering draw room and just like trying to keep them away and stop screwing stuff up. <laughs> kind of uh-huh. the same thing. <laughs> so um, next question here, what is your Han Solo moment? And for you guys who haven't heard this question before, Han Solo's buddy Chewbacca from Star Wars were cruising the galaxy as low of smugglers, but then crossed paths with Luke and Lan. Their, type, their life took a pivot point. Describe a time in your life where uh, you met some sort of resistance that was a catalyst for the change to where you are today, Gina? Oh, well, I had many of them. I can give you, I can point to two specifically in my restaurant business. First one was uh, sitting in the kitchen. It's in July. Dishwasher doesn't show up. I'm sitting there. You can see on YouTube washing dishes, doing $10 an hour job, saying to myself, this sucks. I just don't know what I'm doing here. I have more skill set than $10 an hour. I need to do something different. Brother walks in from a barbecue. He's doing it. He's having fun. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm washing dishes here. The second one was I was in my restaurant in my shed, putting away, you know, those go containers, putting the two go containers away, straightening the shed out, doing $11 an hour work. And I'm on the phone with my partner, Jake. As you can see, I'm on a cell phone. And we're negotiating an $11 million deal, 281 units, owner financing. And I'm saying to myself, I'm doing $11 an hour work where I should be focusing on real estate full time. And that was my aha moment. I said to myself, it's either jump or it's either, you know, what do you want to say? Get on the pot or go to the bathroom or get off. I had to do one or the other. And that was my moment to say to myself, I got to take this chance. I'm doing this menial work that doesn't bring me any joy or I can take this big opportunity. And what happens if, if I felt that opportunity, I always have the skill set to go back to the restaurant. So those are my two big, I think, um, business, business, I guess, if you want to call them Han Solo moments, those, those, were, those were it for me. So we usually uh, call it as an either internal trigger or external trigger. So that that would be probably more of an internal trigger then, right? Like you just kind of... Yeah, I think, and I'm a life coach. So um, most of our blocks are internal. 95% of our blocks are internal. External blocks are the economy. So back in 08, everyone focused on what's happening externally, whether it's Obama coming in office, whether it's Trump coming in office, whether it's the tax plan. You can blame all that, but that's only about 5%. 95% is what's going going on internally, whether you have the four energy blocks. We call them limiting beliefs the interpretations, your assumptions, or the big one is your gremlin. So we have all of those. I can do a whole show about that. But guys, go into life coaching. Take a look at life coaching. It was one of my most pivotal moments in my, in my life when I said to myself, I need some personal development. So instead of reading a couple of books, I went to coaching school, became a life coach, not to be a coach itself, but to work on myself. And I had a lot of limiting beliefs around money. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do. It takes money to make money. Biggest bunch of crap in the world. Money's scarce. There's $4 trillion a day going into the world economy as far as training hands. Money is not scarce. Um, you know, all those things I was thinking about as limiting beliefs, they were limiting my 
belief to grow. And I think, you know, if you can focus on that, you can focus on personal development, take care of your house internally. You'll be able to grow as a person. You'll be able to achieve the goals that you set. Yeah. So for, for asking that question, what about 90, a hundred times now, I probably see the vast majority as it being an external trigger. You know, someone gets laid off from a job or the economy changes or something falls in their lap or it's rare that it's, you know, there, you know, one, one gal, she was just working at the, the job and said enough was enough. And went to their boss's room and said to quit, I guess, what, why is that the case? Why is it normally seemingly the external trigger that people point to? Well, I mean, they need an excuse, but it's always going on internally. You always have an internal battle, right? I, I think as Tony Robbins lays out, we have six human needs. The first four needs are fundamental, you know, whether it's significance, love, connection, or being unique, right? Those are the first four needs. Most of us have it nowadays. We're very fortunate to live in a, in a really blessed society. We, we, we have those four needs. The fifth and the sixth needs are what people really strive for. And if they don't have these fifth and sixth needs, they don't live a fulfilled life. You have to be uncomfortable. I got really uncomfortable at my point, about 38 years old, to say to myself, I don't have growth, which was the fifth need. I wanted to be able to grow and to expand my life and to have connections with people. And the sixth one was I wanted to be able to contribute. I wanted to be able to give back. I mean, I was giving back. I was helping, you know, you know, I was doing a lot of mission work with, you know, uh, priests and all and, and working with my community, but contributing in a larger way. And then I, you know, unfortunately I fell upon the Jake and Gino platform, which has been fantastic for me. I can put a podcast on, got five to 10,000 downloads. I know I'm helping a mass amount of people, but that's what was missing to me. And I think that's what people subconsciously really yearn for. They want to be able to grow in their lives and they want to be able to contribute. And that's what I think, you know, is, is the trigger point for people. At least it was for me. Yeah, this is your interview, but I'll, I'll say that that Tony Robbins six needs pyramid that you just mentioned—that's a big one. Uh, it really changed mm-hmm. my life. People probably should Google that. And although you're not really going to get the gist of it just by you know reading a Wikipedia page on it, um, I would buy his book. I would buy. I, I listen to his CD. I listen. I, I'm, I'm dating myself again, but I've got the CD. I mean, uh, he's got a couple of great programs there, and listen to them and listen to them often because when you're 20 years old, you hear something. When you're 21, you hear something else. Every year, as you grow in life, you start to pick out new messages. And um, I listen to him often. I think his message is fantastic, and it's just that power of positive reaffirmation is, is great to have. Right. Yeah, and if you guys want that uh, that free book, I have the ebook version. Um, shoot me an email at Lane at Simple Passive Cashflow. Uh, I talk exactly about that six six needs thing right there. All the kids these days are investing in the latest fad like tech or cryptocurrency. If I had learned anything these past few years watching the wealthy, is that they invest in the most boring stuff and the basic commodities. What is more of a necessity than coffee? To learn more about this boring investment, check out simplepassivecashflow.com backslash coffee. So uh, what's your two-week experiment and a six-month project that you're currently working on? Well, a two-week experiment, um, I'm just starting my coaching sheet. I wish I could show you. I really laid out all my goals. I've got a weekly plan right here. I'm going to see if I can continue to do that all throughout the year. Weekly is pretty, pretty simple, but I really want to focus on my annual goals and then be able to chunk them down into quarterly goals. And then from those quarterly goals, take them over to monthly goals. And then from monthly, go them into weekly. Um, my six month goal, uh, we're going to have a, we are having a live event in October of this year. So I need to set the whole 
sales page up. I need to sell 300 tickets. So that's my big goal to get 300 Jake and Gino members in October in Charlotte, North Carolina. We had one back in November. Our first one, we had 200 people at Knoxville. And that was actually pretty impressive because it's a, such a pain in the neck to fly into Knoxville. So we want to do it in our backyard, but th that's my goal. My goal is to really have a really big, successful live event. And obviously, we want to get to 1,000 units uh, with our own money. We're at 850 right now, maybe pushing 920 units with this acquisition, and hopefully we can get to 1,000 units before we syndicate. And I guess the final one is we want to syndicate a large deal by the end of the year. So that, that's on our plate also. Yeah, so what is your simple passive cash flow number that you're shooting for? Any kind of I'd goal that you're hitting? Yeah, to get to 40000 a month, I'd love to be able to do that. That'd be a real big, huge accomplishment for me. And what kind of day would that create for you? Kind of a I, I want to be? say December 31st of 2018. That's what I'm shooting for. What would that buy? You know, What kind of uh, lifestyle would that buy? Well, what I does mean, that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, to me right now, it's only a number. I've already become sort of, I'd say, quote unquote, financially free. I moved down to St. Augustine, Florida six months ago from New York. So I relocated to warmer weather, thank God, because it's six <laughs> degrees in New York and it's got seven inches of snow today as we speak. I'm cold down here. I'm 48 degrees. So to me, I'll, I'll take 48 over six. Uh, I wanted a lifestyle. Um, you know, that number, it, it just doesn't really represent as much as it used to me because I have all my expenses already paid for, whatever's left over. It's great. Um, be able to use it with the family. I'm able to take vacations where I want to. Uh, not, not much more. I mean, uh, the fact that I've been blessed, I've been able to move down here, been able to relocate. Um, it's just a continuation right now. It's just basically a, uh, it's basically an affirmation of what I'm doing. Money's not the cause money's the result. As you make more money, your, your results are actually being shown. So it doesn't money doesn't drive me anymore. Like it used to. When I was in the restaurant business, it was a job. I needed money to pay my expenses. It drove me. Now to be able to get onto a podcast with you and to share my story with other people and to actually sell educational products, it's not what drives Money doesn't drive me. Helping people drives me. I think down the road and long term, that will make me even more successful. So something that you recently thought about burning your cash on for time savings or improvement in quality of life. Maybe, maybe we could do one like a business one and one maybe personal one that you kind of... Um, I mean, I, I can go down the list. I spent a lot of money in the last year moving, moving down to New York was about 20 grand just to relocate, um, Disney, uh, for the year got passes there. I've already been there twice since I've been down here. Um, going back to New York for three weeks during the holidays. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, I I've just been able to, to enjoy it and I've been, uh, been able to, you know, plan my life. I always wanted to have my lifestyle, you know, work for my business, not my business work, for my lifestyle. And I've been able to figure that piece out. And once you're able to do that and, and you know, your life, sky's the limit with your life. Any kind of uh, like a time saver, like a housekeeper or any kind of thing that you're probably doing at second nature by now, but a lot of people just don't. Yeah. Know. Oh, actually. Okay. I mean, I hired this personal assistant uh, for 10 hours a week with, for Jake and Gino. So I, I'm doing that. And actually I'm hiring a uh, digital marketer for Jake and Gino. So I'm taking a lot of the load work off that, you know, you do when you're, when you're bootstrapping the first 18 months of creating a podcast, doing all that work. So those are two really big things. And obviously, you know, we've got a pretty big house, so I need to, I need to have that done. <laughs> coming over so yeah that, that virtual assistant's probably attainable for, for a lot of people I and mean, especially if you're paying them like four or five six bucks an hour 
But, um, oh, it's great. I mean, I'm paying her a decent amount of money, but it has been able for her to post every day to become more, you know, every single day something's coming out to be able to actually, and you know, honestly, they do a better job than what I do. They do a great job with the podcast. They edit videos. I don't want to sit in front of an Apple and edit videos. It's just a, not the bane of my existence. I'd rather, like I said, watch paint dry than do that. <laughs> and that's not, you know, where you should be focusing your energy as an entrepreneur. You should be spreading your message. You should be creating, creating the content and then having somebody help you disseminate that. But you know, when you first start out in the first couple of years, you don't know if you're going to make a go of it. So you're trying to cut expenses. But once, once you see that light at the end of the tunnel, it's time to take that leap. Like I did in the shed, you know, you know it's time to say, listen, time to settle down and take a chance. Yeah. So that 10 hours is that, you know, whether you use it or not, or get a connection. Uh, I've got, I've got plenty of work for her because we're creating a ton of content. So there is a lot of work for her to do. So, uh, if she doesn't hit 10 hours, I am still going to give it to her because she's really worth it. She does some great work for us. All right. So something that you recently changed your mind on you know, is because I've seen a lot of people who are sort of successful, yet they're the most uh, stubborn at certain things when I talk oh, to wow. different folks. Wow. What's something in the last maybe like few months or maybe in the last week that you've changed your mind on? Is that too big? Well, Okay, well, something. Be, I mean, let's talk about politics. I change my mind constantly about what the president's doing. One day I love him. One day I hate him. One day I love him. One day I hate him. Um, ultimately, I don't know. I just frustrated with what's going on with the country, with what direction we're going in. But fortunately, I stay away from that. I've, I've been able to shut the TV off and not really focus on that. But I think that would be that'd be the answer to that question. The Hui Deal Pipeline Club is a free investor club where we work together to crowdsource deals and do due diligence together. Most members in our group graduate to passive investors, but some investors who I've built a relationship over the past few years have graduated to active operator status. To back our own members in something that they have found their true calling in, I'm rolling out simple passive cash flow lending. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash lend or text the word money to 314-665-1767. Again, for more information, check out simplepassivecashflow.com backslash lend or text the word money to 314-665-1767. So this is kind of going out to the newer investors out there. In an, in, you know, they're coming in it probably in the, who knows, seventh, eighth, ninth inning of the game. Mm-hmm. In the seller's market, what would you be investing in, and what and someone who doesn't have a substantial level of cash flow be investing in that doesn't have, you know, fifty grand to go into a large syndication or have to have to do it themselves? This might sound a little cliche, but I think we all have to invest in ourselves. I think that's the very first thing that everybody has to do is invest in yourself. The second thing is if you're going to do real estate, invest in educating yourself in real estate, what type of real estate. Focus on a niche. If you're going to do multifamily, learn multifamily. If you're going to get into wholesaling, learn wholesaling. Really focus on one or two niches. And I think the, the third thing is, I mean, the cryptocurrency craze, everyone's saying it's it's a bubble, it's a bubble. Blockchain is here. That That is here. I, I, I'm... I am not uh, educated on that, so I'm just focusing on real estate. But that is here for the future. And people who are afraid are calling it a bubble. But you guys better embrace it. You better embrace Litecoin and Bitcoin because that's not going anywhere. So um, I would definitely put my energy towards that space. Yeah, I think we were mentioning it like a couple of weeks ago when we were talking. And I like what you said. You, you, you know, I don't know how much money you put in. You probably threw in you know, 
few thousand bucks or 10 or 20 grand or just to, mm-hmm. just to have some skin in the game and learn it, right? Because if you don't right. learn, if you don't have money on the table, you're not even learning about it. And I put in 2,500 bucks a couple of weeks ago. I'm down $500. I'm down to 2,000. But it gives me the wherewithal to be at least on Coinbase, at least figure out what's going on, see where Litecoin, see where Litecoin's trading, looking at the charts, seeing that there's a big influx going on right now, and just being part of it, having fun. I mean, I wouldn't throw 300 grand into it because I don't know anything about it, but a couple thousand dollars um, is, is always a great place to start. It'll force you to actually get into the space. So as someone with the real estate lens and uh, you know, definitely has sees that working, what's your thoughts on the whole Bitcoin and blockchain technology? Is it, I mean, it's not a hard asset. That's the problem, right? Not- uh, and that's the problem. So one of my partners is a um, commodities trader and he's, you know, Jake, myself and him, and he's struggling with it because it's hard to value. It's hard to put an asset value on it. When you have a multifamily property, let's say 25 units, you can sort of put a value on it. You take the income on the property, you take comps on the property, you take the cap rate of whatever the market is, and you can figure out and come up with an assessed value on the property. Take a look at the cash flow from operations. If you want to discount them into the future, you can come up with a certain value. Right now, it's the Wild West. It's how do you actually value Bitcoin and how you put a value on it. That's where I think he's struggling, and I think you need to do a lot more more research on it. That's why I don't want to go all in right now because I just don't know. And, you know, they're very, very... I guess beginning investors are the ones who always get slaughtered. That's what ends up always happening. They're the first guys who get out there. They get slaughtered, then the market calms down, and you start figuring things out. But like I said, it's here. It's here. It's going to take over. Right, right. I, I think you're just hearing a lot of noise on it. I mean, you don't really need that much money to get into it. And, and heck, you don't even need to make a trader account. You just download an app. Yeah. So I think you're getting a lot of the quote-unquote like taxi drivers, Uber drivers, the common guys getting into it. And that's just enough for me to – get out at that point. I mean, that's and why it's I, funny that they came, they came real quick, right? It didn't take them that long for them right. to come. I mean, at least real estate, they, it took them years and years to get there. And that's the thing about real estate, which is really cool. You still need to have um, some education. There's still some type of barrier to entry. That's the huge problem. So if you talk about the five laws or the five commandments, I learned this from a mentor, N-E-C-S-T. One of them is barrier to entry. Barrier to entry for multifamily is a little bit more difficult. You need a little bit of capital. You need to know people. You need to be educated. With Bitcoin, Litecoin with stocks, it's hitting a button. You're basically in. You're basically out. So when, you, when you're in that type of business, there's less profitability in a business that has a much easier barrier to entry because more people get into it. The more people into it, the less profitability, the less profit margin there is. So that's one of the things that I see with, with trading stocks and trading any kinds of, of, of paper assets like that. You know, the barrier entry is so quick. It's so, it's so easy to get into. There's less profitability in it. All right. And, and to your point, that's, I see short-term rentals as kind of the same thing. I mean, you hear everybody talking about, oh, they, they've got an extra room they want to rent out or extra place they're, they're not using. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the same thing. If everybody can I start agree. doing it, then it's a race to the bottom for everybody. That's right. I agree. And, you, you, and what ends up happening with single-family homes, you end up cutting the profit margin. The profit margin on that goes. That's why single-family home flips, they only average 20 grand per flip because there's so many people doing it and there's so much competition in that space. That's the problem. That's why I want your listeners really to take a hard look at multifamily because the demographics for multifamily are fantastic. I don't care what anybody says, down the road, you have 150,000 affordable units that you need per year. There's only 50,000 coming on board. 
the tax code is going to affect that. It's probably going to be less than 50,000. So there's going to be, I don't want to call it a crisis, but people need affordable housing. Less people are buying homes. So where are they going? They're going to have to rent. Baby boomers are retiring and downsizing and renting. They want to be able to go on vacation. What's going to happen? Self-storage is going to benefit from it also. But multifamily, I think, down the road in the future is going to have, it's, it's going to be a strong sector, I think, for, for the future also. All right, I'm some, I'm the same boat as you. I believe I believe in it. Mm-hmm. I do. So you're uh, this is you're gonna like this last question. This is the uh, the Tony Robbins question. So as you know, he identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. The first is the art of fulfillment, and the second is a sense of achievement. So if you die tomorrow, and I were to email this to your kids a couple of decades later, when it would make a little bit more sense to them. What would you say would be your secret or hack to the science of achievement? Kind of uh, habits do you have there? Any like morning or nighttime rituals? Any thoughts on how do you uh, you know keep achieving? Well, I think uh, the average person who wants to be successful, I guess success is a thought. I mean, if you think you're successful, you're going to be successful. I'm always constantly trying to achieve a goal. My problem years ago was I felt unfulfilled when I achieved that goal because I was always looking to the next goal. So right now, uh, in that weekly coaching sheet and on our platform, I'm always telling people to share your weekly successes. We don't share our weekly successes because people think it's bragging. But Lane, if you just bought a 50-unit property, I want to know about it because it's going to motivate me and it's going to inspire me and it's going to make me feel good. The endorphins are going to go on. So I want to hear other people's successes and I want to share successes with other people, not in a braggadocious way, but just in a way that will inspire them and maybe I'll be a role model to them. So I think success to me is uh, getting up, um, spending time with my kids in the morning, working when I want to work, where I want to work, with whom I want to work is the most important thing because, you know, there's some people of, you know, some five people who you surround yourself with is who you're going to be, believe it or not. When I was stuck in the kitchen with the guys I don't want to be with, I was dragged down in that, in that environment. When I met Jake, when I met my partner, Mike, and when I'm with the Jake and Gino community, totally different thing. I'm in the office here in St. Augustine. I've got three other partners here. It's a fantastic place. So surrounding yourself with excellent people is just one way I want to be left with. And I just want to be left knowing that I've been a great dad to my kids and I've been a great role model. And, and I want them to look up to me and say, I want to be like dad when I get older. That's, that's how I think I'll be successful. All right, right. And then I'll point out in that, you know, find the small wins that you're, you're doing every day, whether it's just putting a bookmark in your, uh, your computer of that co-star or that, um, I think or that picking week. up the phone, calling a broker, picking up the phone, taking somebody out to lunch, writing an article. There's so many things we do throughout the day that we just say, ah, you know what? And the thing is just because you're great at something doesn't mean someone else isn't. That's, that's the problem. We overlook, we overlook our skill set and say that, yeah, but we just know how to do it. A lot of people can't do something that you can do or I can't do. So don't discount your successes or your skill set. That's one thing that we always tend to do. All right. And what is your secret or hack to the art of fulfillment? How do you give back? How do I give back? I mean, um, I've created the private Facebook group for, for our community, giving back, always answering questions. Um, I was a life coach, so I've been doing a lot of coaching with people on the phone. Um, I do a lot of work with uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renault. They're Catholic um, brothers and friars. Give back to them. 
Um, down here, I'm looking actually to do more discernment, more work down here in St. Augustine. I just moved a few months ago, so I'm trying to get plugged into the community down here. But it's basically trying to help people through the podcast and through our platform and, and you know, getting on bigger pockets every morning and trying to give a little bit of advice to people and just trying to be positive and trying to show people that you don't have to be a loud mouth like a lot of these gurus out there. And you can be a normal person and you can have a family and you can do it and have a great time and help people through the process. Any, um, I mean, you mentioned before that, you know, you're always doing one thing and you're always thinking about the next thing after that. Any mm-hmm. tips to kind of keep things in perspective and kind of keep you at the, you know, what the task at hand or the, you know, that the moment that you're at. It's you know? funny. If you find that secret out, let me know because my mind is constantly racing. I, that's one of my, I guess, one of my weaknesses. I'm always thinking about the next step. My, what I'm trying to practice this year is trying to be present in the moment. You know, when you're, in a business meeting, think about the business meeting. When you're with your family, think about your family. When you're doing work, think about your work. Um, I'm trying to really carve out my day and trying to focus on what the task is at hand. If I'm doing a podcast with you, my focus is totally on this show. When I'm home with my kids, I don't want to think about the show. I want to think about them. So um, it's really being present and really putting yourself in that situation saying, I'm here. Let me deal with the situation now. I can't control what happens you know, today or tomorrow. Let me control what happens in this moment. Well said, well said. Well, Gina, anything we missed? You want to get your contact information out there to people get a hold of you? Sure. The website is jakeandgino.com. We're on Facebook, Jake and Gino, LinkedIn. You know, hit me up at Gino Barber. I'd love to connect with you. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, you know, we're, we're out there. So if you ever have any questions, you can email me at gino at jakeandgino.com. We have a podcast called Bill Bar Profits. So, you know, the word is getting out there slowly but surely, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Yeah, and I, I will say I'm, I am in your guys' private Facebook group. I think I snuck in there when it was the early days. So I, I saw that, bro. Yes. Yeah. And isn't it a great platform? I mean, that's what you want. You want multifamily investors who are asking questions and giving advice. And every now and again, if you have a great article, throw it on there. And it's just amazing what one little article would do for somebody or one kind word or one success story. And that's what you want. You want people to stay motivated and stay engaged. And if they can stay motivated and stay engaged, they're more likely to achieve their goals. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really like the group and I think you guys do a good job of curating it. That I think these Facebook groups can go, kind of go awry and, you know, become either pitch fest or just, yes. you know, too large. Um, yeah, it's a good size, good mix. Uh, you know, people are very, uh, very engaged in giving information, not a lot of mm-hmm. scarcity in there. Thanks. And which is great. And that's what you want. I mean, I'll leave you with this last tip. I think in life, I think we all have to niche it down and focus on what, what we want to do. I'm not, in, that's not a Facebook group, Facebook group for Bitcoin, right? It's really for multifamily. So the majority of the content in there is multifamily or it's for motivational. I don't have that many fix and flip guys. Although if they want to bring in an article about how to send a direct mail piece, that does relate to multifamily. So, Hey, bring that on. But I'm not really going to be talking about, you know, how was a two bedroom, one bath sell for in Seattle? That's just not what we talk about. So, and you want to keep your users engaged and really give them the value there. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on Gino. Um, if you guys want to set up a free call with me, uh, go to the website, simplepassivecashflow.com. Lane at simplepassivecashflow is my email. Always looking to connect with you guys. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks Lane. Bye. 
This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.